0: you're listening to guitars and granola bars episode 55 thank you so much for joining me here on guitars and granola bars i'm your host rachel Ramback, and this podcast is for women like me who are balancing a passion feel career with being a mom this week i am so excited to have another repeat guest on the show Tamara lesnar Rovette was featured in episode two. So way, way back in the archives, I interviewed Tamara all about being a music therapist in Canada. So it was really fun to learn about the differences between practicing in the United States versus Canada. But today we're focusing more on Tamara's role as a mom. So she has a really unique perspective to share And I won't tell you too much about the interview. Instead, we will just go ahead and jump in. All right. So we have Tamara with us once again. And I am so excited because, Tamara, you were my second guest on the podcast, like way, way, way back. And I can't wait to hear what's changed, what's happened since we last spoke but for those of us who haven't listened to episode two of the podcast, go ahead and give us your little nutshell background.
1: I have been a piano teacher since 1998. I have extensive experience working with children with special needs, and that is why I pursued a degree in music therapy at the University of Windsor, which I got in 2008. Um, in 2009, I received my music therapist-accredited status, and for those of you who are not familiar with the Canadian equivalents, that is our equivalent to your MTBC. Right. Um, I've been working in private practice for about 10 years now, specializing in adaptive lessons for children and adolescents with special needs, as well as music therapy sessions. My team has greatly expanded, and most recently, I received my neurologic music therapy training, and... And I am now a registered psychotherapist in accordance with the College of Registered Psychotherapists in Ontario.
0: Yay! Awesome. Celebration. Happy dance. (laughs) 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 And what I told Tamara is that I really just want um, her to guide this conversation because she has a really unique perspective as a music therapist and as a mom. So where should we jump in?
1: Um, Mason is now three and a half going into his second year of nursery school which I can't believe. Um, It's been been a real ride this past year. He is such a phenomenal child. He's so bright and inquisitive and adorable and loving and cuddly and he's just the best little guy Um, but he does have um, an expressive language speech delay. And that has spurned a lot of stuff in terms of me playing a dual role of a music therapist who works with a po- this population as well as being a mom. It's a very challenging role.
0: Yeah, and I can imagine that the lines get really blurred. Um, how, have you, how have you dealt with that?
1: It's a, it's a hard one. I, I really have to mentally remind myself. Um when, you know, is the time to be mom? When is the time to use my training to my advantage? Mm-hmm. And there are definitely advantages and disadvantages to both. I, I guess I can start with the advantages. Um the definite advantage is, is that as a pediatric music therapist who has established herself, I have the access to the top therapist at the tip of my fingers. Right. That has been super helpful. Obviously, as moms, especially those of us who work in the field, um, we're very hyper-vigilant about our own kids. We watch and say, okay, are they meeting these milestones? Yes. Yeah. So, at 18 months, you know, Mason was a little quieter. Um, I should say that I do have a brother on the autism spectrum who's extremely high-functioning. But Mason was just a little quieter. I have no question, and even when he was that little, no question at all, that receptively he understood everything. But, you know, me being me said, okay, you know, let's call in the speech therapist that, you know, worked with my brother and I've known since I was five to come in and just do an assessment on him. Let's just see where things are and where we move forward from here. So he's been getting therapy since he was 18 months old. Early intervention is absolutely key. Um, and so our private speech therapist told us that we should get, um, sorry, that we should call to get some government funding. Now, Mm -hmm. again, this is going to be the difference with Canada and the U S there's vast differences, advantages, disadvantages. Um, but in our region, they will offer, you can self-refer and they will offer you blocks of like six speech sessions for free.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Now, Again, there's advantages and disadvantages to that. I'm very fortunate that we are able to afford private therapy for Mason. But it's a nice um, it's a nice thing to have, especially if Mason ever goes to the public system. Everything is on record. Everything is on file. And as he gets older, he may also be able to access more funding.
0: Okay, I see. So- with the government funding, are you limited as far as your choice of therapists that you can work with?
1: Yes, but... Um, there is a story there because as a music therapist that I had a huge advantage. Um, Mason went at age two to his first kind of check-in the speech path really didn't have any major concerns said he probably has a mild oral motor speech delay, Mm -hmm. nothing serious. Let's get him rechecked in six months. Well, when we took him in six months later at two and a half, um, unfortunately we saw a speech therapist who did not engage him. And had told us that she had never worked with a kid in all her career that she had not been able to engage to make a connection with.
0: That's a bold statement.
1: Ooh, gets better. And she actually called our private speech therapist to say that we insisted on him being discharged from the service, which we never said. You know, the speech path in this case is the expert. We trusted her judgment. All I said is, I trust your judgment. If you feel that he can... Benefit, please. You know, I'll take the block of speech sessions. If not, you know, he's still getting private. Well, fortunately, in my position, I had a little bit of pull and I called her superiors. They know who I am because early intervention services does refer to me. Right. And I said, this is completely unacceptable. And they came right back to me apologizing profusely and saying, what can we do to make this better? I said, you're going to give me a second opinion, and you're going to give me either therapist A or therapist B because I've worked with them, I know them, and I trust their opinion. I got Um, therapist B.
0: Good for you. Way to advocate for your son.
1: Well, you have to advocate. You know, and I'm I'm fortunate that I learned that from my mom who had to advocate so fiercely for my brother. Sure. He's so... He's so amazing, and I don't think he would be where he is today without all that hard work and my mom being there. I'm a mama bear. I'm going to fight for my kid. So now he's actually just finishing a block this month. He got he had a block in January and a block in June. I will jump back um, that in January um, he had a block of speech sessions through York Region, which is our region, and um, – The speech path had gone to visit him at his preschool. Of course, she goes on the day that he's recovering from the flu. He's not quite himself. And so she comes to me and says, I think he needs a developmental assessment. I'm fine with that because the truth of the matter is I do suspect that he's gifted. And at age four, I would have sent him to a developmental psychologist to get that testing done.
0: Anyway, right.
1: So it's, a, it's such a hard thing because there's a part of me that knows, you know, let, let's go ahead with it. But there's that mom part of you that's like, you know, this is my son. Yes,
0: yes. Well, and I think that's part of the problem, especially with a first child, because you, you haven't been in that position as a mom. You don't want to think that there is something that's holding your son back. Or your child back. Um, so, was there any like was there something specific that led you to um, get him tested when you did?
1: Well, he hasn't had his developmental assessment yet because, again, that's free, right? So, the disadvantage of this is there are wait lists, which mm-hmm. is why I wasn't going to sit back and just wait. I and paying out of pocket for private therapies for him. Yeah. Um. I should also mention that I've had him assessed by one of my music therapy colleagues twice.
0: Oh, interesting. It. Okay. He
1: loves it. I would not ever do that myself. I have to physically remove myself from the room when that's happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big time.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I have I know several music therapists that have their children in music therapy, and I, I know for myself I couldn't be in the same room just because – it just is a natural reaction to want to jump in. I know that even attending music classes as the mom as opposed to as the therapist, it's just a really fine line, which is why I prefer for my mom to take my son to music class.
1: Yes, and so that's why you know I have one of my very trusted and dear colleagues who has worked with him a couple times. Um, so jumping back to when the speech therapist said he should have a developmental assessment, then his private speech therapist came in, after speaking to the our government-funded speech therapist, and I remember this so clearly because I was at the hairdresser getting my hair done, and it was the only time that I had to talk to the speech path. And I'm getting my hair washed, and the speech our private speech path said that you know she thinks we should go ahead with a developmental assessment, and I just started bawling. Uh. I'm getting my hair done. Now, thankfully, the hairdressers have known me since I was seven. But I'm sitting in the chair, you know, trying not to make a scene because there's other people around. And I'm just, like, the tears are pouring down. Like, what are we going to do about Mason? How are we going to help him? Um, It's very humbling because as, as a pediatric music therapist, as you know, Rachel, we deal with this all the time. Yeah. You know, working with parents who are in denial or working with parents who mm. want to do everything, working with the parents who just want what's best for their kids. But when you feel it yourself, it gives you a whole other perspective.
0: Was it one of those things where deep down you kind of knew or you suspected and you just really didn't want to, to bring that suspicion to light or did it really take you by surprise?
1: I think that there was a part of me deep down that knows that there are some things that he needs to work on. Um I think part of me wasn't expecting that to come up, mm-hmm. but I think part of me in my gut knows just from the work I do and knowing my son, and it's it's very hard. It's very, very hard, and even in his speech sessions, now, his private speech therapist and I consult, and we refer clients to one another, and the, private, uh, the government funded one too, and, you know, it's just such a dual role because I sit in there and I know what they're doing. I know what they're prompting and I have to play mom. Yeah. And then it's funny enough at the end of the session, oh, you know, I've got another client for you that would like music therapy. Can I pass on your email? <laughs> sure. So thankfully, Mason is at an absolutely spectacular preschool. These teachers have gone above and beyond. His non-core teachers have even stepped in and gotten involved, um, Mason's preschool director has met with my husband and I at the drop of a hat, has answered any phone calls with any concerns, any questions. They love him for who he is. They see his strengths. They see his needs. And they truly go above and beyond to make sure that my son is happy.
0: That's wonderful. That makes all the difference.
1: But At the end of the day, that is what's most important. All we want All my husband and I want is for Mason to be happy and for him to be confident and to thrive and to be the best guy he can be. Right,
0: right. Have you seen definite changes in his behavior and his abilities and his skills as a result of these therapies?
1: Yes, I mean, he's still got a way to go. Unfortunately, with the language delay also comes a social delay, so he does have trouble processing he does have trouble sometimes relating to some of the other kids and i don't know i believe that's more that he sometimes gets anxious because he knows his language isn't up to the level of the other kids and he kind of shuts down but academically he's like he should be in kindergarten right now there was actually talk of moving him a year ahead to jk
0: wow is it the social component that's that's holding it back
1: it's the language and the social. The language okay. and social are hand in hand.
0: Sure, sure.
1: But academically, he's for sure hyperlexic. There's absolutely no question about that. He knows all his letters, numbers, colors, shapes. I went into his preschool on the first day and saw that they were going to test him on circle, square. I'm like, no. Oh, no. My kid's into like rhombuses and hexagon <laughs> and putting together a hundred piece puzzles. Wow. He's really into geography and putting together world maps. He actually, a couple weeks ago, cried leaving my mom's house because he couldn't, he didn't have a chance to put in the Central Republic of Congo and Angola.
0: Oh, wow! Made
1: him very (laughs) upset.
0: That's so hard when there, you know, are certain domains that are so far advanced, but then there are others that need you need to catch up on with. With peers um do you find yourself because I'm putting myself in your shoes right now and I can just see myself like at home working on these specific skills and kind of like crossing that line that you really you know as a mom shouldn't be crossing but it's almost inevitable that you do it just even subconsciously do you find that happening at all
1: absolutely because I'm trained as a music therapist that's Part of who I am. Right. I'm a mom. Yeah. And that's part of who I am too. It's very, it's challenging, but again, it has a lot of advantages. It has a lot of disadvantages. And I think, you know, you just have to do what you have to do. And he's, he's doing well. Um, we just actually had a meeting with his early interventionist. Again, that is publicly funded. Mm-hmm. At the school, and we were fortunate even during the summer to get one his one of his core teachers into the school to have a meeting with the early interventionist, who's just going to come in like once a month or so just to make sure that he's doing okay. But even she was floored. She took a look at everyone around the table and said, "My goodness, like all the strategies I would give you, you're already implementing." How? speaks volumes about the school and thankfully he is able to stay there until senior kindergarten.
0: That is amazing that's that's pretty atypical really because for most kids you know you're in preschool and then you leave the preschool and go on to kindergarten where really there's no transference of what was happening before to what's going to be happening now.
1: Exactly and so this school is wonderful that It does have a junior kindergarten and senior kindergarten program, and the teachers are wonderful. It's a small school. Um, I already know them, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. Again, a dual rule. I did all the music for their graduation concert, and I managed to swing giving them a music program in exchange for them waiving my aftercare costs.
0: Oh, well, it doesn't get much better than that. Wow. Yeah. Well, you can certainly, you know, there are things that you can work to your advantage. Yeah. And
1: the school is just so on. I can't say enough good things about the school he's at. And I guess in a week and a half, holy moly. In a week and a half, he'll be going back. But what's great is that we've been able to put him in a class with the same teachers last year. Mason tends to have trouble with routine. He needs to know what to anticipate. He needs to know. He needs to have his lists. He can memorize 20-point lists of what he has to do. And it's really nice that he's going to be with the exact same teachers who can pretty much pick up from where they left off in June and move forward.
0: Right, yeah. That makes a huge difference.
1: It'll also make a huge difference this year because he'll be with kids that are now going into JK. So if you think about that, these kids were a year ahead of him developmentally without a speech delay. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So how did, did you see him compensating in any way with his peers? Um,
1: I think it was a bit harder for him. He definitely was very well, liked. the kids loved him, but I I really feel like he felt that he didn't have all the necessary communication skills. He was very good. He really just showed off by, you know, reading things (laughs) to them and knowing all his colors and it's the same thing as his report card said. Everybody's on the same page. Academically, he's off the charts for a kid his age, but language and social is delayed. But, sure. like, no kid can have it all.
0: Yeah. No, that's very true. That's very true. There are always going to be, like we talked about, areas that are a little bit further behind and a little bit further ahead.
1: That's it. So mm-hmm. the big question now is, you know, the big autism question that has come up a lot
0: is that something that you that you foresaw at all?
1: You know, it's funny, I don't know. I found out I was having a boy and you know, of course it crossed. My oh mind. yeah, that little
0: light bulb, oh, like of boys. Course. It's, I know. Me so too. Of
1: course, you know, hypervigilance and with Mason, you know, he's pretty ahead on most of his milestones. Um in terms of his physical milestones, fine motor, gross motor, excellent. Mm-hmm. And receptively, like I said, he's all there. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what's being asked of him. Um, it's a big question, and it's a really hard one. It's a really hard one to come to terms with. Um, in my heart of hearts, I think that if he does have it, he's extremely high-functioning. He doesn't show any of the quote-unquote classic symptoms of autism, mm-hmm. but there's, he's definitely a quirky kind of kid. At the end of the day, for me, the labels mean two things and two things only. Government funding and school support. Yep. At the end of the day, he's still Mason. And he's still the same loving, wonderful, intelligent kid he is.
0: Exactly. Well, and you know, what I always think about is when we were growing up and we didn't have all of these diagnoses somebody like mason would have just been what you said quirky and that's it like no labels no diagnoses but then again there were no you know extra or specialized services to cater to those quote unquote quirks um so there are definite advantages to it you know obviously the disadvantage is just having that label um especially for a child like mason who is so high functioning who is so ahead on so many different skills. It's really just one of those things where, like, you just have to to look at the positive aspects of it.
1: That's all you really can do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's still my son. We still love him to be Oh,
0: obviously, yeah. No
1: matter what label he has and, you know, the label doesn't mean so much to me. Yeah. And it's funny because even in my practice, like, people ask me, you know, how many, what percentage of kids do you work with that are on the autism spectrum? And mm-hmm. I have to say, like, I have to think about it because I don't see them as a label. I see them as, you know, John or Jill mm-hmm. or their names because every kid is different.
0: Exactly. And even you have to think some of these kids that you may be seeing, even for a typical lesson, they may not be <laughs> a typical child. They may have their own... Um, you know, issues that might deserve a label and maybe it the parent just hasn't come to terms with that, haven't sought out those services. Um, I know that I see that a lot and we see that a lot here in our studio um, where we're teaching a quote-unquote typical lesson, but, you know, in our heads, it's more of an adaptive lesson. Oh, man. <laughs> and that's every like a whole other day, show right there.
1: <laughs> every Every single day, but again you know, they're a kid at the end of the day. That's who they are. Exactly. You know, and I've talked to my team about this and it's like, you know, you don't have to go telling the parents that they should go get their kids diagnosed. Right. Just use the strategies and techniques and interventions you've got and just apply them.
0: Exactly. And that's what we teach our interns. That's what we teach our employees is that that's what you have to do. You just have to you know, cater your services to that individual child because that's what we do.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm hoping for Mason. And thankfully, again, he is at a school where he could get that attention and small classes. I It really concerns me with the state of our public schools where it's really hit or miss that I fear that if I sent Mason into junior kindergarten in the public system that he would just fall into the mm-hmm. cracks. He would be lost, right? And see, they've now in Ontario implemented full day kindergarten, which means that there's thirty plus kids, um, age three to five, with two teachers. Wow, it's it's insane. So yeah, thankful again. Thankfully, I have the reason I'm able to afford to keep him in private for as long as we can and afford the private services because there's so many families who really cling to that government funding.
0: Sure. Yeah, well, for some, it's their only option.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because you could wait. You could have one block of six-week sessions, then he can wait another six months. Right. So I just found out that Mason will be eligible for another six-week block um, in the new year. So he's finishing up this week and then meeting with our private speech path who we're going to consult so that we can send him to school in September with everything set, all the goals, the early interventionist in place, and move forward. And hopefully he has a great year, but yeah. I don't doubt he will. He's mm. got the most spectacular teachers. They will challenge him academically and they'll facilitate his language and social play.
0: That's wonderful. I mean, that's really the ideal situation that he's in right now. How do you see things planning or panning out? Um, What's kind of your ideal um, long-term plan?
1: Well, my husband is a teacher at a private school um, just north of us, and it's a school catered especially for gifted children.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Funny enough, he tells me all the time that probably about half the kids who attend that school are undiagnosed (laughs) on the autism spectrum. That sounds
0: about right, yep.
1: (laughs) So if all pans out... I would like to keep him in the private system, keep him there, keep him at his school now till kindergarten and send him to this private gifted school in grade one. And just knowing the kind of quirky, intelligent kid he is, he will probably do extremely well there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the long-term plan. I mean, you just don't know. Yeah. It's a long time away. It's lo- It's closer than you think, but it's... It's still a long time away. So that's kind of the hope is that we can keep him in a private school that's small that, you know, will accept him for his needs and his quirkiness and help him grow and help him thrive and help him reach his full potential. Yeah. That's yeah. what matters.
0: Absolutely. And it sounds like he's full of potential. And, you know, the best thing for him is to have teachers that see that potential and that know how to cater to that potential that's that's huge
1: absolutely mm-hmm. and he's also very gifted musically
0: and that's fun for a music therapist mom to see <laughs> isn't it oh <laughs> it's well, wonderful
1: the one doing the lessons it's my mom who's a music teacher mm-hmm. she's doing them but he does have perfect pitch like his mom
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is crazy and his he does on uh, music together okay which i think you guys definitely have that. Yes,
0: we do. We do.
1: So, I i mean, that's a whole other podcast, but I cannot tell you how much I love music together. Mason just is completing this week. He's done every single collection.
0: Good for and him. And his music
1: teacher is so impressed. I'm not the one who takes him funny enough because I'm working, so it's my husband, who's also a trained musician. And um, Mark, my husband, told me that some days the teacher will just ask him for the pitch instead of using her pitch pipe. By- <laughs>
0: Oh, that is hilarious and awesome. Well, I
1: do it, too. When I go in on the odd occasion, when I'm able to go in with him, I will say to the teacher, happy no pitch pipe day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. What a nice little gift to have.
1: Yeah, and he's already learning piano. He's already doing his thing. So he's just – he's a very special little guy. We have looked into something called Einstein syndrome. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is not as well known. It's essentially what Albert Einstein went through. So he spoke late, was prob- would have probably been diagnosed as Asperger's. Sure, yeah. It, but spoke late and was brilliant. But we, we've done some research and it sounds exactly like Mason. Funny enough, one of the criteria is having a parent with extraordinary musical
0: oh no right? <laughs> no kidding so. I haven't heard this term so I'm really curious now I'm gonna have to go look it up but this is really interesting Einstein syndrome okay
1: it's very interesting and we had brought it to his meeting at the school and they just heard the seven there's more criteria obviously right but they looked through the seven criteria and they just said oh my god like this is Mason
0: wow Okay, interesting. I'm gonna to have to look now. Is that is that categorized as like a, an actual syndrome or?
1: I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's for sure not in the DSM. Okay, that
0: was gonna be my next question. No,
1: it's not in the DSM. Okay, but essentially, it sounds like someone with high functioning autism. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, got it. Very interesting. So let's let's go back for a second. Um, so at eight you said at 18 months is when you started to think, oh, okay, maybe we should just, you know, have some consults and and kind of have yes. him checked out. What would you suggest to a parent that maybe finds him or herself in your shoes where, you know, they don't necessarily know the signs to look for, especially with your first child? Um, what would be your advice?
1: Go with your gut. Mm-hmm if you suspect that some, even the littlest thing might be off, you know, go to the doctor, seek out private services. I really can't speak about how it works in the United States. But for us, you know, parents can actually refer their children to get this public funded speech therapy. There's also, you know, Oh, Uh, occupational therapy or physiotherapy mason didn't need any of that he has consulted with an occupational therapist a couple times Mm -hmm. again it's more the language and social components because academic he's off the charts
0: right right
1: and seriously i don't just say that because i'm his mom but it's it's a little insane the things he can do
0: all right, so I think you've given us a lot of good things to think about, um, and I really appreciate you sharing your story because I know it's it, it's not always easy, especially to to admit that maybe there are some things that, that you do need to seek out help for with your own children. Um, and so I appreciate you sharing your experiences. Are there any resources or tools or things even that you're using as a music therapist that you would recommend to other music therapists or just parents in general and i know that we have that um country difference that little country difference that um can sometimes get in the way but um i'd love to hear what what you recommend
1: i would start off by saying that google is not your friend google is fear-mongering Yes. Consult your pediatrician or your physician or whoever is taking care of your child. Definitely do your research. Definitely explore every and any therapy out there because as moms, you want to do everything and anything that you think would help your child.
0: Yeah, I think that advice is so spot on. And I just love what you said about going with your gut. Because sometimes, and you even said deep down, you kind of had that feeling, and it's one of those things, we, we don't always want to admit it, and we need to, because that's early intervention is, you always hear early intervention is key, and it's so true.
1: Absolutely, and thankfully for me too, as I mentioned before, you know, my mom has experience advocating and dealing with this with my brother, it's very comforting to have the family support as well, who get my kid, who accept him for who he is, and who also have their fair share of input in therapy sessions. So it definitely helps. Thankfully, I've gotten that from her, and so I'm able to absolutely fight for my child. Yeah. Thankfully, except for that one incident, you know, I'm not fighting his school. His school is spectacular. I just had one incident, but in the end...
0: We got what we
1: needed for Mason.
0: So Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Th- yeah, you definitely have one of the success stories. And I think it helps to hear that that you can get the services that you need for your children and they can have an amazing successful experience. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. And I definitely encourage you if you didn't hear tomorrow's first episode, go back into the archives. It's episode two. And um, it's been wonderful to catch up with you. Thank you so much. Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me. It's been fantastic.
0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Guitars and Granola Bars podcast. You can continue the conversation in the comments of the show notes page over at guitarsandgranolabars.com or email me directly, Rachel, at listenlearnmusic.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram I'm at Rachel Rambach. And last but not least, please consider rating and reviewing the show on iTunes if you liked what you heard. The Guitars and Granola Bars podcast is brought to you by Listen and Learn Plus, a premium site for music therapists, music educators, parents, and anyone else who wants to give their clients, students, and children a rich musical experience. Gain instant access to a vast collection of over 200 songs, videos, tutorials, and resources from Listen and Learn Music. Learn more by visiting listenlearnmusic.com slash join.